I do want to talk about testimonies for just a moment because I do believe that it is our responsibility. By our responsibility, I mean your responsibility to testify to what God has done. When Anna talked about the talent that God gave her, it was the testimony that God gave her. It was the healing that God gave her. And the multiplication was giving it away. So now a couple hundred people and those who are online are now equipped with the testimony of God. And guess what? We now have to interact with that story. We get to interact with that story. We get to hear about God's faithfulness in a way that disrupts our own perception sometimes of who he is. That's the purpose of the testimony of God in our mouths. So who has a testimony? Oh, we're going to get quirky in here this morning. I do. You do. There's something that God is doing in our midst, and we're going we're gonna to be on this all year, if not for the rest of our lives, that there is a job we have to do on a Sunday morning and beyond, that we are to give witness to his faithfulness every step of the way. Sometimes that's through song. Sometimes that's through preaching. Sometimes that's through testimony. Sometimes it's through a conversation. Other times it's just your smile that looks like life. We all have a testimony. We're called to multiply it. Let me prove it to you. Can I do that for a few moments? And then we're going to worship God because of his faithfulness. Psalm 89, verse 1 to 8. He says this, the psalmist, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. My mouth, with my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Talk about multiplication. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Take that as an affirmation of the word of God. (laughs) You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Pause here for a moment. This is prophetically speaking about Jesus who is currently on his throne in heaven. (laughs) Look Look at what he says. Look at what he says back here. I will establish your line forever and make your throne a firm foundation through all generations. You're speaking about David. The descendant of David would be Jesus. He fulfilled this promise. Oh, We're going to get there. I want you to preach it. I want you guys to preach this. Won't he do it? Is that what the kids say? He did it. All right. I'll work a little harder to get you excited about what he's done. Verse 5. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. Your faithfulness, too. In the assembly of the holy ones. Even in the unseen realm. The beings in heaven. You know what their story is? God, you are faithful. God, you're faithful. If we want to know what heaven is talking about right now, it's his faithfulness. Because they were there. They witnessed. You said that David's throne would be established forever. And he ascended to heaven and sat on his throne where he's there forever. He's faithful. 
But this is not just an unseen reality. It's a present reality in your life 24-7. We just heard one from Anna, his faithfulness. She didn't even pray for years. Even when you're faithless, I am faithful. He didn't just take her hunger away. He replaced her hunger with hunger for him. He didn't just heal her. He established her. He gave her a vision for the rest of her life. Instead of looking back in shame, she looked forward in hope. Why? Because God is faithful. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. I'm going to preach. Can I preach? Your faithfulness to in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. And he is more awesome than all those who surround him. A little bit of history here. The word Elohim. I wasn't going to preach on this, but let's do it. The word Elohim in scripture means God, but lowercase g. Yahweh, when we're talking about Yahweh, he's uppercase E, Elohim. He's the God above all gods. When it says that he has a council, there are heavenly beings that he sits in council with, that they have authority in this world, and he is God among them. He is God above all gods, even them. They, the Elohim, the spiritual beings, say, you're God we're, we're, we're pretty cool, but you are God. You are faithful. Oh, I'm so jealous that this would be on our lips, that if they can say it, and some of them are in opposition to God. Did you know that? But we, the assembly of the ones who have been redeemed and reconciled by him, can we not louder and with more affirmation declare his faithfulness? He is faithful. Amen. Amen. In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all those who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. One of the main features of this great assembly in heaven and on earth is a public witness of the faithfulness of God by the people of God. What are we doing here if we're not bringing testimony to his faithfulness? This is for his glory. Yes, we all say amen, but it's also for our benefit. I want to talk to you about this today. He is objectively faithful. His faithfulness does not change. It does not waver. In fact, it's his name. Revelation says there's a rider on a horse whose name is Faithful and True. That's his name. It's who he is. He can't help but be faithful to his word. When he speaks, it goes out and accomplishes everything it intended to. He is faithful. Can everybody say he's faithful? Oh, tell it to your heart. He's faithful. He does not change but I'm here to tell you this morning, and that's why I'm really excited and hyper. It matters that you know that he's faithful. 
He can be faithful on his own over there doing his thing, but he wants you to know how faithful it is because it changes you. It shifts you. It readjusts and realigns you. Oh, and that's what we need, isn't it? We need his faithfulness to inform our lives. It's not okay being in a vacuum over there like he is what he is because he is what he is. He says, I am who I am. But there's a moment when that I am came in, intervened in human history and says, I need you to know who I am because you were made in my image. It matters that our reality is framed by his faithfulness. I don't give sermon titles, but I want you to hear this this morning. Framed by his faithfulness. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your spirit here that is just pointing to Jesus. And Jesus, you are the image of the Father. That the entire trinity, you're all pointing at each other. Faithful, 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 faithful. God, that our hearts would be filled with the knowledge of your faithfulness this morning. And we would get new eyes, fresh eyes to see everything that you have in front of us. Framed by your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody's heart alive this morning? He's faithful. I prayed. I, I tell you this. I prayed that I would come here this morning and just say he's faithful and everyone would just fall down on their knees. I mean it. That's my heart. I don't, wanna, I, don't wanna, I, don't want, I don't want to convince you that he's faithful. He does that because he is faithful. Like it's his identity. You can't separate faithfulness from who he is. So if you know him, you know that he's faithful. Hebrews 11, chapter 8. I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. I love that phrase. I preached on it. A couple years ago, he made his home in the promise. Some of us, we need to make our home in the promise. Not just have a promise, but make our home in the promise. This place now frames our reality. Though I live in this world, I'm a citizen of a different kingdom. And I'm going to make my home in that place. Though I see things decaying, I look at my body and it decays on the outside. On the inside, I'm being renewed day by day. My home is his promise. Abraham made his home in the promised land. And like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of him with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to a time that we're now living in, by the way. God gave Abraham these two promises. He said, I'm going to give you this land, this promised land, Canaan, and I'm going to give you a nation in that land. The nation is going to come from your lineage, from your offspring. The very particular promises that he gives them. And in Genesis, he says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your nation, your offspring, so abundantly that the whole world through this nation will be blessed. That's a big promise. In verse 11, Abraham gets most of the attention here. 
But look at his wife, Sarah. Verse 11, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful. Not just because he was faithful, although that's true. It's because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, Abraham, as he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. This word considered of Sarah, she considered him faithful, the one who gave the promise, means this. She made up in her mind that he was faithful. She came to the conclusion in her logic, in her perception of the world, that he is faithful. Even though everything I see, everything I experience looks in opposition to what he said, I have considered that he is faithful. Meaning her reality was framed by his faithfulness. Even in barrenness, God gave her a promise and Abraham that that Abraham's lineage would come through her. Not Rahab, not another woman, not another situation, but her. But she looked at her body, she looked in the mirror, she said, I'm past childbearing age, I'm unable to give birth. She was barren. Her situation literally stood in opposition to everything God said, yet in the middle of all of that, she considered, she concluded, she made up in her mind that he's faithful. And it says that she received power. This is the original language here, literally translated. She received power for the conception of seed in her body because she considered him faithful, he who gave the promise. Considering God faithful empowered her body to receive the promise. This is powerful. Considering him making up in her mind who he is, changed her ability to receive the promise. It matters what you think of him. It matters how you considered him. He's faithful objectively, but he wants you to know how faithful it is because when you know how faithful it is, it changes your ability to receive the promise that he gave you. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way before. We make much of the promises of God, don't we? And we should. But unless you consider the one who gave the promise to be faithful to fulfill the promise, it won't change you. Many of the times, in fact, I would argue most of the time, all of the time that God gives you a promise, he can make it happen like this, when he wants, how he wants. He's God, he's sovereign, he's faithful. But what he desires is you to be changed in the process of pursuing that promise. And he wants you to discover his faithfulness as you move through the obstacles in your mind and around you in pursuit of that promise. Because that's what you will discover. There are a million reasons why his promises should not happen in your life, but there's one reason that is above them all, that it will happen, and it's him and his faithfulness. And we interact with all of those things in our life that say it shouldn't happen, it can't happen, it won't happen, and he says, look at me, watch me work. 
But when we get our eyes off of trying to make it happen or be in the place at the right time in the right situation and put our eyes on him, it changes you. And that's what you need to be able to walk into the promise. So unless you consider the one who gave the promise to be faithful, to fulfill the promise he gave, it won't change you. Why? Because we've made promises we can't keep, haven't we? We've been let, by, let down by someone that we've trusted. Parents that have not been perfect. We've changed our minds, haven't we? Our reality has been framed or shaped by unfaithfulness. It's everywhere we see let down brokenness, hurt, and pain. When we see a man or a woman of integrity, we like, that is amazing. That is an outlier. That is an anomaly. Because most of us are in this place of like, I'm just, just trying, trying my best. But God is not a man that he should lie. His name is faithful and true. She was able to receive the promise because she considered him faithful. And his promise required her agreement for it to be fulfilled. So she looked in the mirror, old. She looked at her track record, barren. She looked at her God, faithful. She looked at her future, fruitful. This is how it works. You can bank your life on his promises. Why? Because you've got it put together? Because you got bright ideas? No. Because he is He's faithful. Sometimes we just need to simplify it, don't we? We just need to keep it simple. And I just need to ask you this morning, do you consider him faithful? Like, do you, like Sarah, conclude in your mind that no matter what comes, high or low, left or right, up or down, that through it all, he's faithful. Oh, he is. And that sound of his faithfulness needs to echo in this place. Because there's people in this room that need to hear it out of your mouth that he is who they thought he was. Hebrews six thirteen. You guys can come back. Yeah. Brian's like, are you sure? How long am I going to stand up here for? <laughs> Just get ready, okay? <laughs> Hebrews 6. That was a little whiny. I kind of <laughs> did that on purpose, but you guys didn't get the joke. Hebrews 6, 13 and 19. It says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself 
saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, listen, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And it was controversial because it's not Joshua 3. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I'm going to get weepy as I read it. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. You know, hear me. Sometimes we can have the attitude, maybe it's me, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's your spouse at times, where we're like, just behave and believe. It's like, kind of like me right now. Come on, say he's faithful. Just get your act together. Get the tone right. This is what we say. This is how we act as Christians. These are the words that need to be on your lip. He's faithful. And all God's people say, you know, like, whether or not you believe it, you're obligated to say it. But look at our God. Look what he says. God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to you and to me. He wanted to prove to you, put it in your face, not that you are obligated to believe, not that you should do what your parents tell you to do, although he said do that. Not you should just fall in line with what everybody else is saying. No, he wanted to shove his faithfulness in your face. Oh, and he has. So that we could, in looking at his faithfulness, consider that no matter what is happening, he has shown me over and over and over again that he is faithful. And I don't put my hope and trust in these circumstances. I place my hope and my trust in him. He is faithful. Ah, He wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. If you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling low, if you feel like you don't have what it takes, you don't need me to come rub you on your back and say it's going to be okay. What you need me to do, come here. Come here. Cut. Your wife's way ahead of you. He doesn't need me to go, it's okay, Brandon. You're going to be okay. You're a big boy. He needs me to go like this. Look. Right. Look at how faithful he's been. Oh, you're the worst person to bring up here. <laughs> Bonnie, come here. No, no. Yeah. Look. He's faithful, and he will always be faithful. Nothing has changed. Circumstances, situations 
have changed. I'm not even speaking into theirs right now. They were just the closest one to me. Mm -hmm. Take it as you will. He is faithful. I feel like I need to stand every single one of you guys up here. Yeah, come back. (laughs) He's faithful. He's a bad sport. Thank you for leading us in worship, though. Look at I wanna, I wanna, I wanna abridge uh, uh, these two things here. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it with an oath, so that we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. It matters how you think of him because this place needs to be a place of courage. That no matter who walks in here, there's one sound. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. They're not even looking at me. He's faithful. He's faithful. Oh, I'm going to bully you right now. He's faithful. I'm going to stare until it's awkward. He's faithful. Abram, name before Abraham. Before it was Abraham, his name was Abraham. I mean, (laughs) Abram was just doing his thing and God showed up in his story. Tells him this, I'm gonna make you in a great nation, I'm gonna give you a great land. Through this nation, through this land, the whole world will be blessed. And he clearly, of course, said, I'm old. My wife is past childbearing age. And they wrestled through how God was gonna make this happen and we do too, don't we? We carry the weight of his promises in our lives and we somehow think that we're obligated to make them happen. Why? Because they're in us. They're like destiny in us. They're not just words that sit outside. They're words that germinate in us. And when we lose track of his ability or his faithfulness to make it happen, we start taking it into our own hands, don't we? But there's a seed in that taking into our own hands. And it's this, God, I love you and I generally think you're faithful, but I'm in a lot of distress in this situation now, so I'm gonna do it myself. And then I'm gonna praise you when it happens. And if it doesn't, I'm going to blame you. So what does Abraham do? Abram, he finds another woman to have his child with. And then Ishmael comes, right? But this was not God's promise. It was that Sarah would bear a child. But this wasn't happening. 13 years later, still hasn't happened. Abraham, Abram, sorry, I'm going to figure it out. 99 years old. It's like evidence upon evidence upon evidence upon evidence is being stacked against the word of God. When we first received the word, we're like, yeah, God, do it. Please, please, like now, do it. And then years and years and years and years and years pass. And then in that space, we lose track of his faithfulness. We love his promise, but we start to make his promise happen by our own means. And we make poor decisions. The word Abram, the name that he had before Abraham, means exalted father. Imagine the weight and the purpose 
let me put it this way. Imagine the weight of destiny and purpose that he carried on his life. Your name, your identity literally means exalted father. And you cannot even have a kid with the wife that God said you're supposed to have a kid with. There are people in this room who know that God has placed something on your heart. And it's all, all it's been is frustrating trying to make it happen. It's written in the code of your DNA. It haunts you. His name was exalted father. Here he was at almost 100 years old, and he and his wife had not yet had any kids. By this point, the weight of God's promises were probably more of a burden than a blessing. And I know some of you feel that in this place, that God has spoken things and given destiny and purpose. But that's a weight too heavy to carry at this season because there's other things that need to happen. How will this happen, and how can I make this happen? But God comes and makes covenant again with Abram and renews his promise to him. But this time he changes his name. He says, you're no longer Abram. Your name is Abraham. Abram meant exalted father. Abraham means this, father of nations. If there was any temptation to lower his expectation of God's promises and destiny over him, God stepped in and said, my promise for you not only stands, my promise for you is greater than you even thought. You thought your destiny was exalted father. My destiny for you is father of nations. Sarah, her name was Sarai before, which means my princess. She, God changed it to Sarah, which just means princess. And in Hebrew, God simply inserted one letter into their names. It's the letter, huh. You throw it up on the screen. Not Abram, but Abraham. Huh. And huh is often used to represent the name of God as an abbreviation for Hashem, which means the name. And is a way of saying God without actually saying the name of God, Yahweh. They would say Hashem, but shorthand they say huh. But there's debate over this, but many Hebrew scholars explain this as God inserting his name into their name. You were Abram and now you're Abraham. You lived your story as Abraham, but now you're going to live your story with God inserted as Abraham. Look what you've accomplished trying to carry your destiny without me, but now as I step in, look what you're going to accomplish. No longer Sarai, but Sarah. So when they heard their name, they would hear, I'm Sarah, and I have his name. Abraham's name and identity went from exalted father to father of nations just by inserting one letter. And that letter represents the name of God. Your identity as a follower of Jesus, the sum of who you are, is now informed by his name. And his name is faithful. And his name is true. And when God called you to his own, he inserted himself into your story. So that it's not no longer your responsibility to make your destiny happen. He's saying, with me involved, what you have to hold to is my faithfulness. And when you consider me faithful, every promise that I have over your life will come to pass. All you need to know is that I'm faithful. 
Anybody encouraged this morning? Is God faithful? I think we need some happier music. Abraham was called the father of faith because faith challenges what is with what could be when God is inserted. It's what faith does. Here's my circumstances. Here's my situations. And I'm going to challenge the limitations of it with what God says it should be. But it's not just a mental trick. It's not just encouragement for your soul. It's not just daily affirmations. It's saying, no, these circumstances with God included can be something different. Abram to Abraham. Some of us in this room and online need to consider and reconsider this morning how great our God is. Because the level of faith you're allowing yourself to engage in isn't telling the story of Him. Let me say that again. The level of faith that you're engaging in your life isn't telling His story. All it's telling is the disappointments that you've incurred in your life. So you're lowering the level of faith to that level. When God's saying, no, remember how faithful I am. And this morning, we are here to re-engage with the God who is faithful so that your faith can rise to the level of His word in your life. Some of you are disappointed with the current state of the life that you're living, even after years of surrender to Jesus. My question for you is whether or not you still consider him faithful. Sarah, with an H, was able to bear children, not just because of God promising it, but because she considered the one who gave the promise to be faithful. In Jesus' name. How's everybody doing? Can we stand for a minute? Are you convinced that he's faithful? Remember the psalm, Psalm 89. Read it again. Psalm 89, verse 1. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. The scriptures say that this psalm was a miscal. Nobody knows what that directly translates to, but we think it means like a, a psalm that was used for, for teaching or for wisdom. It was a mescal, mescal or mescal, what was it? A mescal, not mezcal, someone said mezcal. It was a mascal. but the scriptures say it was a mascal of Ethan, of Ethan. Ethan wrote this mascal. Did you guys know that Ethan was a biblical name? Ethan wrote this masculine. My firstborn son, his name is Ethan. I've read this scripture many times before. 
Last night, God deposited in my heart something I'd never felt, never seen, never experienced before. It was this song on my lips, meaning this. When I had my son, Ethan, five, six years, he's six, six years ago, God did something in my life, and he's still doing that thing in my life. Ethan's name means strong and unwavering. Meaning when God gave me my son named Ethan, it wasn't only just his identity that's informed by his name, it was what God was doing in my life, in my heart, in my situation, which was his desire for me to make me strong and unwavering. Because my life at that time looked like tossing back and forth in my emotions, in my faith, in my mindset, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and he gives me his son, and his name is Ethan, strong and unwavering. This is what I want to do in your life, Ryan, make you strong and unwavering. And for years, I preached that this way. God has just made me strong in my mind. He's renewed me. He's matured me. He's reworked pathways in my mind. But when I read this, the song that was written by Ethan, I realized something. That anything that God's given me was simply this, a revelation of his faithfulness. That Ryan you see today, Sarah you see today, the Johnsons you see today have grown and matured and become who God has called them to be, not because we put things together, because God has shown us over and over and over again that he's faithful. He made me strong and unwavering connected to his faithfulness. Not anything I did, thought, or said. His faithfulness and his faithfulness alone. But what I realized about this song, it is not my song. It's my son's song. It's Ethan's song. That is pretty cool to have the legacy of saying God's faithfulness that I hope on my tombstone one day, says Ryan Johnson, he knew, he considered that God was faithful. But it's another legacy when my son will sing of God's faithfulness. And his kids sing about God's faithfulness. And his kids sing about God's faithfulness. See, what God's doing here isn't just putting his word on one person's lips. A greater legacy than me just preaching all day about God's faithfulness is you preaching about God's faithfulness. You singing about what he's done. You declaring that God has made you firm, established, and secure because he is faithful. So let the voices rise in this place. Let your hands go high in this place. Let's encourage, be filled with courage because of God's faithfulness in this place. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands in this place. Sing of his faithfulness.